Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in. this was a whole different kind of church, I would have just ziplined from that balcony onto this stage. <laughs> um, welcome to our At The This is the last week of our At The Movie series. Um, and, and the reason, if you haven't joined us for any of the others, I just want to continue highlighting this because it's special. Um, we, we look back on the story that God has written in the life of our church, Rolling Hills Community Church. We turned 20 years old this year. That's not all of our campuses, but the original founding campus of Rolling Hills is 20, and the rest of us have benefited so much from the history that's been woven together, um, largely built for five years at a movie theater in Cool Springs. There was something that was established in those days in us that has stayed with us regardless of where we've gone and how God has moved some foundational kinds of truths. And so that's what we've been talking about this series. What are the foundational truths that we're built on as a church? And we've engaged the ideas of evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and worship. And we've talked about how crucial those are not only to the life of every believer in Jesus, but every community of believers in Jesus. And here we are this week in ministry. And I don't want that to be like the last minute tag on the forgotten, hey, we got to get this in before we move on to something bigger and better. We might have saved the best for last. And some of you already thought that this morning coming in and knowing that our key kickoff illustration today was Indiana Jones. You're like, well, we did save the best for last. Cause, and like the men in the room are like, Indiana Jones, yes. And the women in the room are like, Harrison Ford, yes, I get it. And I'm excited about this moment. Now, a lot of you, like I have, have had this realization and this wake-up call as an adult that these movies in the 1980s were rated PG. And that's because we didn't have a PG-13 rating back then. And so we're watching it. How in the world is that a PG film? Well, it's because we didn't have that. These should have gotten a PG-13 rating. So if you have not seen Indiana Jones, I want you to know that it comes with a little bit of a warning. I saw it as an elementary school kid in the 1980s, Temple of Doom. And some of y'all are like, how in the world? 
did some parents out there, like, don't throw shade or shame on my mom and dad. They did not know. There was not an internet. They could not look it up. They didn't talk to their friends in advance and find out that in the middle of Temple of Doom, there was a scene that I won't even talk about today because this is church. Like, you have no idea the violence that was going on in that film. And there I was, third grade, looking at it up on a big, giant screen. So there's definitely some stuff going on. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about ministry and the ways that we sacrificially serve and the difference that's made in our lives and in the lives of others because of it. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we have some foundational verses, some verses that we focused on as a church through all 20 years of our existence. And it says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. And so that's what I understand as as my holy calling in the life of the church and like what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to be responsible for is this, to equip. That means furnish. How many HGTV fans do we have in the house? I see those hands. Okay, furnish. Literally, like there's an empty shell of a space And we're supposed to equip, to furnish, to bring in the finishing touches, to stage it so that somebody would want to come in and recognize, hey, this is a good deal. We're supposed to equip the people. And I want to know that some of your Bible translations don't say the people. People is like uh, like the softball way to enter it. It, Some of the Bible translations read the saints. Y'all are overwhelmed by that. Don't want you to be because it's talking about you. The picture of of saints in this picture is if you've trusted Christ for salvation, if you've believed in him for the forgiveness of your sins and a place with him in all eternity, heaven, whatever you want to call it, if you've believed in him for the salvation from your sins and the forgiveness of your error so that you might have right standing before God, then the whole purpose of you being in this church, in this place, listening to these words is that you might be equipped, that you might be furnished, that you might be filled up as a saint, as a holy set apart one of God that's been given a special task to do. It says, to equip his people for works of service. And I like to pause in some of these Bible verses. We may not get much further past this. This word service, it's the word diakonos. It's where you and I would get our English word deacon from the South. And so I grew up in the life of a church where we had deacons. And I'll just go ahead and tell you that we did it wrong. Because in the church that I grew up, we only had men deacons. Like we only had men as designated leaders in the life of the church. And they were like, oh, these are the deacons in the life of the church. Well, well, Phoebe in the New Testament was a deacon. There were female deacons in the life of the church because that word didn't mean leader. It wasn't even convoluted with the idea of like, who's the elder pastor teacher of the church? No, it was the people who were the servants. We didn't just confuse it on the idea of who could be a deacon. We confused it on the idea, I'm not throwing shade, on what a deacon was. These weren't the elected officials of the church who served a two year term who made all the big important decisions. These were the people who actually did the life of service in the church. And it's not just elected people who serve one term. It's supposed to be all of us. Like we're all supposed to be equipped for works of service. This idea that we use our gifts so that, what does it say? The body of Christ this group of believers might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Like this is supposed to help us grow. Some people in the life of the church are always throwing some shade. Well, you know, I'm just not growing spiritually. Sometimes I feel the blame of that, but then I realize, nope, it's the whole church's responsibility to serve one another in such a sacrificial way that the entire body is built up to maturity. 
So if there's an immature believer who hasn't taken their next step of obedience, who hasn't reached a unity in faith, who hasn't matured in their understanding of the knowledge of the Son of God, we can blame Nick Allen all we want to. But we might want to look in the mirror. Because we all have a role to play in the life of the service of the local church so that the entire body might be built up until we all, because we're all serving, reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I'll say this, it's kind of in the fine print. Like I want to let you know that salvation is the free gift of God. Like, that, that we didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. We certainly can't afford it. The fine print is this. Becoming a Christian, a Christ follower, is much easier than being one. Becoming one is much easier than being one. Because becoming, okay, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I, I believe in Jesus, God's Son, Um, virgin birth, like all those things, like died on the cross, yep, check that. Uh, Rose three days, oh yeah, check that. Gone to prepare a place for me in heaven, yep, believe that. Bible, don't understand it all, but I believe that, check it. I'm a Christian. That was simple. But being one every day, dying to myself and my passions and my flesh and the way that I would like to live so that I might become the person that God has created me to be. That's the hard part. Every single week of this series, we've landed in a parable because, you know, just like a movie tells a really good story, so did the parables of Jesus. I'm in Luke chapter 17 this morning with a parable that would shock you because you're like, why in the world did he pick that one? Well, it's good, and this is why. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Oh. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Oh, Jesus is getting hardcore real fast. And then he says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. I mean, tell them what they did wrong. Like, go ahead and point it out to them so that they don't walk around, like, blind to the fact that they're a dirty, rotten sinner and that they made a big mistake. Rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you, repent. You must forgive them. So becoming a Christian is easy, but being one is hard. I say that to a group of people who may or may not be harboring some resentment against somebody else because they've wronged you. And how dare they? Do they not know who you are? Have they forgotten? Maybe sometimes we have. So, so Jesus is telling people, hey, hey, like this whole idea of being a stumbling block and, and being a barrier to somebody else growing in faith, being a barrier to somebody else r- r- achieving uh, unity in faith and maturity as a believer so that we can have fellowship with them. Like, like anybody that's standing as a barrier to that, woe to you. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the bottom of the sea. And let's just make sure that if you're calling yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you're embodying the forgiveness that he alone has given us. And so the disciples, the apostles, in response to that, they say, Lord, I like to say it like this, Lord, increase our faith. Like the response to the fact that they know they're being stumbling blocks. To the fact that they know that they've got unresolved sin in their relationships in life. They're like, Lord, you're just going to have to increase our faith. 
Because that whole idea of not being a stumbling block, of getting in other people's way, of embodying all of your forgiveness when I've got some hatred in my heart, all that, that's hard. I'm going to need you to increase my faith. And then in response to that, Jesus says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, in another passage of scripture, he's talking about like a whole mountain, but mulberry tree pretty big. He says, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. I think that I've always gotten this wrong. Like that whole picture of like, oh, if you have faith, even as small as a tiny mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move and it will move. I've always looked at that as the measuring stick of my faith. Like Nick Allen, if you would just have even the tiniest bit of faith, you could do unbelievable things. And if you emphasize the size of your faith, you're emphasizing the wrong thing because it's not the size of your faith that matters. It's in the size of the object of that that faith, which is God himself. It's not Nick Allen, even with just a tiny little minuscule amount, you can do great things. It's Nick Allen, all you got to have is a little bit because God has got everything. It's about him, not us. John Piper says this, we are invited to concentrate less on our amount and more on God's strength. Maybe Jesus chose mustard seed, not to tell them that they only needed a little, but to remind them of how great he was. And so then he dives into this story. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, and he says, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat, like, like take a load off, prop up your feet. You did a real good job today. How about take a break? No, in verse 8 it says, won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink so that after it you may eat and drink? And will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And many of us, because we're American, are thinking, well, that's rude. Because we were taught to say thank you. And you should. Please be gracious when you go to restaurants, especially when you're wearing your Rolling Hills t-shirts. Like, please, do us a solid and represent us. I see some Rolling Hills t-shirts out there. When you're at the Taqueria del Sol this afternoon, please tell the people thank you. They are doing their job. They're be, being paid way more per hour to do that job than I was when I was waiting tables. It doesn't matter. Like, just be gracious and say thank you. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about the king of this universe. And whether or not he owes us anything and the fact that we owe him everything. It's better that we approach the throne of his grace and the sacredness of this place as a people who serve, not because we're looking for a pat on the back and not because we're looking for recognition or a hurrah, but because we are doing our duty as people who have been forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ to understand our place in the kingdom of God because we are recipients of his grace we serve. And a lot of times we get those relationships backwards. And when we do, it comes full circle. We cause people to stumble and we need to increase faith.
So because we understand that faith is a gift, it's the gift of God, Ephesians chapter 2, not by works, not by the things that you do so that nobody goes, you can't be responsible for increasing your own faith. It's the gift of God, understanding that faith is a gift. We boldly ask for an increase. That's what the apostles did. They said, increase our faith. There's a movie clip from Indiana Jones. I want you to see a little bit more of it. We've, we've watched a few of these clips this week um, as an illustration of what real faith is. I remember being just a little bit, like I didn't want to tell my friends this, but I remember being just a little bit afraid to see um, uh, uh, Raiders, not Raiders of the Lost Ark, the third one, um, The Last Crusade, um, because of what I had endured during Temple of Doom, but I powered through it, and I remember this scene, and I, I thought of the memory verse that I learned as a kid, that Hebrews 11 one, that, that faith is the certainty of what we cannot see, the sureness of what we just hope for. That, that picture of Indiana Jones stepping out and realizing that incredible leap of faith and not knowing that there was going to be something to catch him, but understanding that it probably was, I, I think that's the picture of faith, and that's the, the increase that we need. And it's not in the power of the faith that we have, but in the, the God that we place our faith. And we don't want to look at this idea of ministry, and we don't want to look at this idea of service, and we don't want to look at this idea of duty. We don't want to mistake ministry with generosity, because you and I aren't doing God any favors. Like, you can tell the worship team that they did great this morning, and that you appreciate them using their gifts to show up here early and to practice throughout the week and to mesh those gifts all together in, in, in the beauty and the display of, of what we've seen. But who does not owe them any appreciation is God. Because he's the master. And it's our duty. And it's a privilege to be able to bring that to him as his holy servants and the increase that we need, and before we need to have faith in how powerful he is and all he can do, we need to have faith in how worthy he is of all that we are. So, so in response to how hard it is to live like Jesus and how hard it, and challenging it is to, to, to live like Christ, the disciples asked for increased faith. And in his response to their inquiry about increased faith, he says, stay in your lane. Do your duty. Recognize who God is, and also know who you are. Who are we? We're people that God has granted with very different gifts. Like God has granted each and every one of us with, with, with unique differences and measures of gifts. It says in Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. And I love this sentence because Paul's like, hey, listen, for, with the grace that I have. Sometimes Susan, who is my wife, um, says this sentence to me. 
she asks this question, hey, can I tell you something without you getting mad at me? <laughs> that is so loaded. Like, and I always say yes because I want to know what she's going to say, but I'm reserving the right to be angry depending on what it actually is. And she knows me well enough to know that the thing that she's about to say is probably going to leave me frustrated. So she starts it with, let's, hey, let's like prepare him for what's about to come. Hey, can I say something to you without you being a little bit mad at me? And I, of course, say yes, and then she tells me what it is, and then I get mad. It's a vicious cycle. We live on the crazy train. It's like Paul's looking at the early church and says, hey, listen, this is the grace that I have. I'm about to say something that's challenging. And I'm just, like, some people tell you really bad news, but because of the way they say it, the tone of their voice and the expression on their face, like somebody could tell you that your dog just died and you would feel encouraged. And then somebody else could tell you that you won the lottery and you would feel like you just got arrested. Like, like if this is a good thing, I need you to tell your face. Like, I need it to, to look happy. I need it to sound like a, like a really good thing. There's, I don't know who Paul is in this equation, but he looks at people and is like, hey, for the grace that's given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Like, don't think of yourself too much. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. That's in, that's in right judgment. That's understanding all the pieces, not impaired in any way, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And then he says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. It's like your hand doesn't do what your feet do, and your feet don't do what your ears do. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And don't do it in such a way that you expect God and the master at the end of the day to be like, wow, you preached so good today, Nick Allen. Put your feet up. Take a break. You did a real good job. Let me serve you for just a minute. How do you like your sweet tea? Like if I'm waiting for the great God of the universe to greet me in such a way, then I'm up here for the wrong reason and I'm waiting for the wrong thing. It's not just a privilege, it's a duty. It's a duty to use the gifts that we've been given for Ephesians chapter 4. So that the church might be built up, that we might have unity in faith, that we might have increased ability to understand the knowledge of God and become mature, attaining a measure of the fullness of all wisdom in Jesus. Francis Chan says this, that our greatest fear, because we have a lot of fears, should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. I'll say this about grace and works about salvation and duty. Scripture never, ever, ever weakens grace. But it also never, ever, I can't find the place where it downplays duty. Like it never, ever leaves any room for us to feel like we have to work to earn God's favor and to be granted his salvation. It never leaves us any room to believe that there was some sort of board meeting around the cross where you and I got together with God and put our heads together and came up with a plan that was mutually beneficial to one another. Like it never gives us any room to think that the cross of Christ and the salvation that we're given is due us in any way whatsoever 
whatsoever. It's completely and totally the goodness and the grace of God, and we are grateful for it. But it also, in the same vein, never leaves us any room to think that because salvation is free, we can live any way that we want to live. It does not downplay our duty as believers in Jesus Christ. James chapter 2 says, In the same way, faith by itself, Lord, increase our faith. Make it bigger. If you ask God to make your faith bigger, he's probably going to make your jobs harder. He says, Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. We have a bunch of core values that have been part of the life of Rolling Hills since day one. Number three is this, every person through Christ. We could have said every saint, but we didn't want to scare people off, but that's what we're talking about. Every person through Christ is a minister. We go on to say, and essential to this community of believers. If I'm going to prop you up in anything today, I'm going to prop you up in the fact that you matter. You are an essential worker here. I did not know that essential worker was going to take on this meaning that it did a couple of years ago. You're an essential worker to this community of believers. If we read this, if we continue in the book of Philippians, it says in chapter 1, verse 21, For to me... Paul's talking. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, they're, they're, they're literally both beneficial. He says, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean uh, uh, fruitful labor for me. Like, if I'm going to go on living, I know that it's going to be hard, but I know that it's going to be beneficial. He says, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Like he understood that in that moment, he's writing to the church in Philippi from a Roman jail, from incarceration, from a situation that none of us can imagine. He's literally in the middle of a dungeon of pain on this arrest, and he's writing them a letter and saying, hey, by the way, it would be better for me to just go ahead and die and be in the presence of God. And based on his circumstance in that moment, it absolutely would have been far better. But then he says this, but it's more necessary Paul's not proud. He's just honest. It's like, I'm an essential worker. It's more necessary for you that I remain in the, it's more, it's, it's better for you that I stay alive. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. It's like, this is, this is not the moment that God's going to take me out. And I will continue with all of you for your progress. For your progress, that you might be built up, that you might be equipped for works of service, so that the entire body, the, the, the church that you're a part of, can be built up until everybody reaches unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, so that everybody can be mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He's like, I know i got to stick around for a little bit longer, enduring all this hardship, because this is for your progress. So that through my being with you again and boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. He says, whatever happens, whatever happens to you, whatever happens to me, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Save yourself some characters, Paul. He wasn't dealing with Twitter and the limit. He could have just said duty. Whatever happens, do what you're supposed to do. Then... 
Whether I come to see you or you only I hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together, duty, as one for the faith of the gospel. If you're here, you are essential. If you're brand new, you are essential. And maybe you're kind of evaluating this church right now, and you're kind of checking it out, you're kind of seeing if it's a fit, and, and you're putting on that consumer hat. We all did it, no judgment. Like, we all checked out churches, and we all picked the one that we felt fit our needs and, and spoke to our hearts and, and that we enjoyed being around. Like, we made ourselves the barometers of what a good church is, and, and a lot of people have picked this one, and more people have picked this one in the last six months than in any other time than in the history of our, our, our four years as a campus of Rolling Hills Community Church, and I, and I celebrate that, and it's, it's fun to be picked, isn't it? Like, didn't you love getting a prom date? Didn't you love not being last in kickball? I was sometimes last. That's hard. It's awesome to be picked. So like as a church, we feel that deeply. Like when you check on the bottom of your response card this morning that you want to connect with Christ and that you want to join this church and that you want to be baptized and that you want to serve, like, like we're giddy over it. Like we're excited. It feels good to be picked. But the consumer mindset is only one that we can put on temporarily. We probably shouldn't put it on at all, but we're human, so let's just be honest. We, we can put it on for a second, but you better be ready to take it off. Because we're not supposed to be the consumer. We're supposed to be the consumed. Like we're not supposed to be the people who are picking and choosing the things that we like and that, that fit all of our needs and that suit our purposes and that drop in. Like we're supposed to realize that we are essential. And when you realize that you are essential, you will serve, and it will cost you, and it will be extra, and it's not always fancy, and people may not always say thank you, and you may be upset about that, but I invite you to go back to Luke chapter 17 or to Colossians chapter 3 and realize that you're not serving people and looking for their recognition. You're serving the Lord who does not owe you anything. And it's out of your gratitude to him that you bring that kind of sacrifice. Here's a limited collection of reasons why people don't serve. Maybe you find yourself in one of these, but there are others. I'm not doing this in an exhaustive manner. Um, just like Indiana Jones, I feel like I should connect with the movie. There are a lot of booby traps and a lot of obstacles and a lot of challenges along the way. These are some of them. Misunderstood value. You just don't know who you are, and you don't know what really matters. Like, you don't know that what's going on in the preschool room this morning is as important. I'm going to go Deuteronomy chapter 6 and say more important than what's happening in here. And we offer two services on Sunday mornings at Rolling Hills, not because we all wouldn't fit in here. Like, it would be tight. Second service has grown, and I'm super excited about it. But if you add up all those chairs in the balcony and all the ones that were allowed to, according to the fire marshal of the city of Nashville and the state of Tennessee, put on this floor, you'd be surprised about how many chairs they'll allow. We could fit y'all all in one room at one time. And I'd only have to do this sermon once, and the band would only have to sing these songs once, and we would all be first at the Taqueria del Sol every Sunday. Y'all are because you come the first hour. We get it. We know you. The second hour folks, they're last in line. We could fit everybody in here all at once. But then everybody in that nursery would be serving preschoolers and not being a part of this. 
and everybody in here would not have the chance to go teach my 10-year-old. The works of service that you bring in the life of this church, it matters. And people have misplaced values, and they don't understand how important they are, and they don't know how important other stuff is, and so they don't. They don't serve because they realize, well, it's just not that important. Well, we've, we've misplaced some values in the moment. Um, there's this whole quote that says, we search so hard for recreation in life, like what feels good, what we enjoy, what, what fits us. But, but the reality of Scripture is that we need recreation, not recreation. Hard stuff is good for us. Sometimes it's based on feelings of inadequacy, like you just don't think that you're good enough to do these things or prepared enough to do these things or that you just can't, like, you just don't have the gifts or the story or the passion or the personality, and, and I get that. There's um, a new Indiana Jones movie coming out later this year. It will be the fifth installment during the first Indiana Jones movie when that was made and it came out. He was 39 years old. Um, At the beginning of production of this last Indiana Jones movie, Harrison Ford was 79 and now he's 80 before it comes out. It'll still be in the box office when the dude turns 81. We've all still got something. There's a place for every single one of us. And then sometimes it's just the fear of failure. Like you don't want to mess up. My favorite quote from any of these movies is Indiana Jones saying, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go along. It's okay. Truth be told, so am I. Just all made up. Just trusting that somehow or another the Holy Spirit, like you can go in the preschool room, you can go in the elementary school room, you can go downstairs in student ministry, you can stand up on this stage and wing it. The worship team just got real upset with me. (laughs) Yes, there's a level of preparation, but none of us are looking for perfection. And so don't let the fear of failure stand in your way. There's also this idea of of misplaced skills that I missed, that that somehow or another you don't understand that you've got some skills and you're using them for your reward as opposed to God's blessings and God's purpose. All those reelings are really, really legitimate, but they surrender to one. And that one is a lack of faith and ultimately outright disobedience. Luke 17, 10, in the same way, when you've done all that you are commanded— you should say, I'm a good-for-nothing slave. I've only done my duty. Every single person here, all the Indiana Jones movies are all about artifacts. They're all about all these historical things, and there's this one moment where he's like, hey, this is just an ordinary object, but if you bury it in the ground for 2,000 years, all of a sudden it comes out, and it's priceless. I want you to know that every single person here is worth something not only now, but also forever. There's a legacy that you and I are invited to leave. And your legacy here at Rolling Hills, your legacy on this planet will not be your attendance. It will not be your membership. It will not be your seat that you sit in. It's going to be your relationships and your service. Every single person here is worth something. You are essential now and forever. Why? So that you might be equipped for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up 
and we will all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We will not be the church that we're intended to be unless every single person who's a part of it is serving in some capacity. We're not there yet. We got a ways to go. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.